Welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines the response to life itself and all it entails. Today, I am your host, Bula, and I will be sharing a little bit about a book by Victor E. Frankel. Um, it is called Man's Search for Meaning, a very, very important book to read, I'd say, for, for all people. But we'll get straight into that right after the first song, so do enjoy. search for meaning. Maybe I can share a little bit about how I acquired this book. I read quite a lot about Victor E. Frankl before. I never got my hands on the copy. However, I had a interaction with a co-worker, a very good friend of mine, and 
for his own reasons, he acquired this book before going to Austria. Um, funnily enough, he was born on the same day as Viktor Frankl, obviously not the same year. Um, and he was interested in, in obviously learning the German language, going to Austria and whatnot. But he is not a fan of reading, uh, surprisingly. So obviously I took the opportunity and received this book gladly and have not been able to put it down ever since I started reading it. It is a very magnetic book, could I say? You start reading and it really grasps you as you are engulfed in the reality of what's happening in the story. And there's a constant process, an internal process of analyzing reality and the circumstances at hand and, and seeing how these comparisons, comparisons sorry, are being made. So, who is it? What is it about? Etc. Etc. Let's get straight into it. So, right at the back, it says, When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. One of the outstanding classics to emerge from the Holocaust, Man's Search for Meaning, is Fricta Frankl's story of his struggle for survival in Auschwitz and other Nazi concentration camps. Today, this remarkable tribute to hope offers us an avenue to finding greater meaning and purpose in our lives. Many people know Simon Sinek, or Simon Sinek, I don't know if I changed the pronunciation on that one, um, but he has been a uh, motivational speaker, and everyone is quite uh, fond of him who knows him, and he says that every human being should read this book. So, in the preface, it speaks of Dr. Frankel, author, psychiatrist, sometimes asks his patients who suffer from a multitude of torments, great and small, why do you not commit suicide? From the answers, he can often find the guideline for his psychotherapy. In one life, there is love for one's children to tie to. In another life, a talent to be used. In a third, perhaps only lingering memories worth preserving. To weave these slender threads of a broken life into a firm pattern of meaning and responsibility is the object and challenge of logotherapy which is Dr. Frankel's own version of modern existential analysis. In this book, Dr. Frankel explains the experience which led to his discovery of logotherapy. As a longtime prisoner in a bestial concentration camp, he found himself stripped to naked existence. His father, mother, brother and wife died in the camps or were sent to the gas ovens, so that, excepting for his sister, his entire family perished in these camps. How could he, every possession lost, every value destroyed, suffering from hunger, cold and brutality, hourly expecting extermination, how could he find life worth preserving? A psychiatrist who personally has faced such extremity is a psychiatrist worth listening to. He, if anyone, should be able to view our human condition wisely and with compassion. Dr. Frankel's words have a profoundly honest ring. For they rest on the experiences too deep for deception. What he has to say gains in prestige because of his present position of the medical faculty of the University of Vienna and because of the renown of the logotherapy clinics that today are springing up in many lands, patterned on his own famous neurological polyclinic in Vienna. One cannot help but compare Viktor Frankl's approach to theory and therapy with the work of his predecessor Sigmund Freud. Both physicians concern themselves primarily with the nature and cure of neurosis. Freud finds the root of these distressing disorders in the anxiety caused by conflicting and unconscious motives. 
Frankel distinguishes several forms of neurosis and traces some of them, the neurogenic neurosis, to the failure of the sufferer to find meaning and a sense of responsibility in his existence. Freud stresses frustration in the sexual life, Frankel frustration in the world to meaning. In Europe today, there is marked a turning away from Freud and a widespread embracing of the existential analysis, which takes several related forms. The school of logotherapy being one, it is characteristic of Frankl's tolerant outlook that he does not rep repudiate Freud, but builds gladly on his contributions. Nor does he quarrel with any other forms of existential therapy, but welcomes kinship with them. The present narrative, brief though it is, is artfully constructed and gripping. On two occasions, I have read it through a single sitting, unable to break away from its spell. Somewhere beyond the midpoint of the story of Dr. Frankel introduces his own philosophy of logotherapy. He introduces it it's so gently into the continuing narrative that only after finishing the book does the reader realize that here is an essay of the profound death not only just one of more brutal tale of concentration camps. From this autobiographical fragment, the reader learns much. He learns what a human being does when he suddenly realizes he has nothing to lose, except his ridiculously naked life. Frankl's description of the mixed flow of emotion and apathy is arresting. First to the rescue comes a cold, detached curiosity concerning one's own fate. Swiftly, too, come strategies to preserve the remains of one's life, though the chances of surviving are slight. Hunger, humiliation, fear, and deep anger at injustice are rendered tolerable by closely guarded images of beloved persons, by religion, by a grim sense of humor, and even by glimpses of the healing beauties of nature, a tree or sunset. But these moments of comfort do not establish the world to live unless they help the prisoner to make larger sense out of his apparently senseless suffering. It is here that we encounter the central theme of existentialism. To live is to suffer, to survive is to find meaning in the suffering. If there is a purpose in life at all, there must be a purpose in suffering and dying. But no man can tell another what this purpose is. Each must find out for himself and must accept the responsibility that his answer prescribes. If he succeeds, he will continue to grow in spite of all indignities. Frankl is fond of quoting Nietzsche. He says, he who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. In the concentration camps, every circumstance conspires to make the prisoner lose his hold. All the familiar goals in life are snatched away. What alone remains is the loss of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's own attitude in a given set of circumstances. The ultimate freedom is this, and is recognized by the ancient Stoics as well as the modern existentialists takes on vivid significance in Frankl's story. The prisoners were only average men, but some, at least, by choosing to be, quote-unquote, worthy of their suffering, proved by man's capacity to rise above his outward fate. As a psychotherapist, the author, of course, wants to know how men can be helped to achieve this distinctively human capacity. How can one awaken in a patient the feeling that he is responsible to life for something, however grim his circumstances may be? Frankl gives us a moving account of one collective therapeutic session he held with his fellow prisoners. At the publisher's request, Dr. Frankl has added a, sta a statement of the basic tenets of logotherapy, as well as a bibliography. 
Up to now, most of the publications of this third Viennese school of psychotherapy, the predecessors being the Freudian and Alderian schools, have been chiefly in German. The reader will therefore welcome Dr. Frankel's supplement to his personal narrative. Unlike many European existentialists, Frankel is neither pessimistic nor anti-religious. On the contrary, for a writer who fully faces the ubiquity of suffering and the forces of evil, he takes a surprisingly hopeful view of man's capacity to transcend his predicament and discover an adequate guiding truth. I recommend this book heartily, for it is a gem of dramatic narrative focused upon the deepest of human problems. It has literary and philosophical merit and provides a compelling introduction to the most significant psychological movement of our day. All of this was written by Gordon W. Allport, Allport sorry, formerly a professor of psychology at the Harvard University and was one of the foremost writers and teachers in the field of his hemisphere. He was author of a large number of original works on psychology and was the editor of the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology. It is chiefly through the pioneering work of Professor Allport that Dr. Frankel's momentous theory was introduced to his own country. Moreover, it is his credit that the interest showed in this logotherapy is growing by leaps and bounds. So that was just the preface, but I thought that it was quite important that I shared that entirety of it because his explanation of the whole the book really is in the preface. And he did such a, a good job at pointing at the very important points that often are made in the book. So that was a small excerpt from the preface, but we'll go straight into the second part of the book after the song. Please do enjoy. I look to the stars in the night sky And I realize, I realize No matter how dark you're still burning bright It's gonna be alright, it's gonna be alright There's something amazing about you I cannot explain but I know it's true I look to the stars and I realize Your love is infinity A thousand times I've fallen But you'll always come back for me You are never letting go Cause your love is infinity Your love is infinity. 
To wrap things up, I was currently at page 94 and 95 within the book when I had finished reading. So that's not the entirety of the book. I haven't actually finished it. But mainly, to be honest, mainly because I don't want to finish it. <laughs> I started reading it so quickly. There were so many notes that I was taking as I was reading it. I didn't really want to, what you call it, I didn't really want to go through it too quickly and have missed most of it. But I just want to perhaps read a couple words from the first chapter. I think it's quite an interesting addition to the way that the book is, is written. I think that it also will show a lot of the narrative of the book and the, the way that the author had thought when they were writing it. So he goes as follows. This book does not claim to be an account of facts and events, but of personal experiences. Experiences which millions of prisoners have suffered time and time again. It is the inside story of a concentration camp told by one of its survivors. This tale is not concerned with the great horrors which have already been described often enough, though less often believed, but with the multitude of small torments. In other words, it, I will try to answer this question. How was everyday life in a concentration camp reflected in the mind of the average prisoner? Firstly, I would just like to say that's very interesting because of all of the books that I had read, you obviously have these, you know, victorious people that had come out of it and they've experienced it through this, this own, their own narrative that they had this willingness to obviously escape it. But to have observed the other people that didn't necessarily make it out alive was quite interesting to see how he made that analysis while being in the camp. So he goes on to say that most of the events described here did not take place in the large and famous camps, but in the small ones where most of the real extermination took place. This story is not about the suffering and death of great heroes and martyrs, nor is it of the prominent capos, prisoners who acted as trustees, having special privileges or well-known pr prisoners. Thus, it is not so much concerned with the sufferings of the mighty, but of the sacrifices, the crucifixion, and the deaths of the great army of unknown and unrecorded victims. It was these common prisoners who bore no distinguishing marks on their sleeves, whom the capos really despised. While the ordinary prisoners had little or nothing to eat, the capos were never hungry. In fact, many of the capos fared better in the camp than they had in their entire lives. 
Often they were harder on the prisoners than were on the guards and beat them more cruelly than the SS men did. These capos, of course, were chosen only from prisoners whose characters promised to make them suitable for such procedures. And if they did not comply with what was expected of them, they were immediately demoted. They soon became much like the SS men and the camp wardens and may be judged on a similar psychological basis. It is easy for the outsider to get the wrong conception of camp life, a conception mingled with the sentiment and pity. Little does he know of the hard fight for existence which raged among the prisoners. This is an unrelenting struggle for daily bread, for life itself, for one's own sake or for that of a good friend. And maybe I'm just going to end off right there. There is so much in this book to read, to understand, to reflect on. I strongly advise that if you had never read anything of, you know, that period of time. Personally, I have no fascination of Hitler. My main fascination is of the mind in this struggle. And unfortunately, we had a very large group of people experiencing the same event, but in vastly different manners as prisoners being exterminated for basically having been born a certain way. And just being able to find that really the core meaning behind life at the point of death that really reflects on how all of life has value is something that I find very fascinating, which is why I do have a fascination with, you know, this period of time, this history specifically. So if you had never read anything of the Holocaust or of prisoners that had been in concentration camps, I would definitely recommend this as one to go to. I would strongly recommend The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom if you had never read anything at all. That is definitely still number one on my list but this one does not fall very far behind so that is all from me i do hope that it was somehow enjoyable or encouraging and i do hope that you have a wonderful day further cheers my jesus made a on floor and my team is on that overflow Heavy with the young bulls LMI, if you know, you know Yeah, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, a bunch of like-minded individuals The rest of the all night until the sun up Genesis 32, check the numbers Yeah, oh, they think they run the numbers Gotta show them that there's nobody above them uh. If my lady from Jacob, no Esau Only up from here, had to get up off the seesaw Mud in my eyes, but now I see what he saw Hustle for the kingdom, I don't wanna hear that deep ball From me, cause I know you not So I had to spin the block and stay clipped up Everybody catch a holy shot Eating from the holy crap Spread that, give me life Be authentic if you know you not Don't get the latest twice My Jesus made an awful And my team is on that overflow Heavy with the young bulls LMI, if you know, you know Yeah, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, we just some like-minded individuals Individuals, a like-minded individuals Yeah, boom, flowing from the top down Down the boulevard, banging Jesus on the block Cloud demons gotta flip when they're hearing my sound Yeah, I got a thorn in my 
side, but I'ma rock out. See, I ain't perfect, so I need his grace and mercy. Just don't hold me, you can show me when I'm feeling so unholy. Case my flesh should get the best of me. Romans 8 28, a workout for my destiny. Won't be the death of me. My Jesus made an awful. And my team is on that overflow. It's heavy with the young bulls. LMI, if you know, you know. Yeah, we just like the other individuals. Individually, just like the other individuals. Individually, just like the other individuals. This is really on demand. What you want when you want it. It's Active FM. Active FM. Active FM. Active FM.